This MoneyWise podcast is underwritten in part by Praxis Mutual Funds, a leading faith-based family of mutual funds helping people integrate their finances with their values since 1994. With Praxis, your investments can make a difference for you and the world around you. Learn more at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Winter's high heating bills will soon be here. But did you know you can get money back for making your home more energy efficient? Hi, I'm Rob West. It's true. New legislation passed this summer will give homeowners significant rebates and tax credits for energy efficient home improvements. I'll talk about that first today, and then it's on to your calls at 800 525 7000. That's 800 525 7000. This is MoneyWise biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Okay, so this is all part of the massive Inflation Reduction Act passed in August. And what home improvements have to do with curbing inflation, we don't know. But the act provides billions of dollars for homeowners who make improvements that save energy. The rebates and tax credits cover a range of improvements from installing new electric appliances to beefing up your home's insulation in the attic and crawl spaces. By making all the improvements listed in the legislation, you could receive up to $14,000 in rebates and tax credits and up to a 30% rebate on the cost of installing solar panels. The aim behind all this is to make homes less reliable on fossil fuels for heating by getting homeowners to replace gas appliances for those which run on electricity, which, of course, is generated by fossil fuels. So whether it'll actually reduce our dependence on coal and gas is up for debate. Uh, Proponents of the new legislation argue that local electric utilities are gradually moving to greener energy sources, and as they do, your electricity usage will become greener too. What those greener energy sources might be, we can only speculate. At any rate, if you've been thinking about making any home improvements to lower your energy costs, this is a big incentive, and here are some examples. If your natural gas furnace is getting old, you could replace it with an electric heat pump and get a big rebate. Of course, heat pumps are more suitable in the south. The further north you go, the less efficient they become, so they're definitely not for everybody. If you need a new water heater and the old one uses natural gas, you can get a rebate for swapping it out for an electric heater. Of course, you'll probably save money by installing any new appliance simply because newer models tend to be more energy efficient. A new energy-friendly water heater alone could save you hundreds of dollars a year. You can also save a bundle by weather stripping and beefing up the insulation in your home. But now, thanks to this legislation, you can get a rebate for it. Now, I wouldn't go out of the way to make these improvements, but again, if you've been thinking about doing one or more of them and budgeting for them, well, it's a great opportunity to save some money. Depending on your income, the legislation allows for up to $8,000 back for installing a heat pump, $1,750 for something called a heat pump water heater, nearly $850 for installing a new electric range, and a heat pump clothes dryer. 
If you're thinking that adding all of these new appliances might put a severe strain on an older home's electric panel and wiring, well, you're right. You can almost hear the breakers clicking off across America. So the bill will give you up to $4,000 for upgrading your electrical panel and $2,500 for new wiring. But I can assure you, rewiring a house will cost a lot more than that. Uh, You can also get up to $1,600 back for sealing and insulating your ductwork. Now, I mentioned that the amount you get back depends on your income. If you make between 80 and 150% of the median income in your area, you can get back 50% of the cost of these improvements up to the $14,000 limit. If your income is below 80% of your area's median income, you can get back the full cost of the improvements. Federal tax credits for installing residential solar panels have been in place for years, but the legislation boosts them from 26% of the cost to 30% and extends them until 2032. Uh, Tax credits for other energy-efficient improvements include $600 for new windows, $500 for doors, and $2,000 for heat pumps. It would be a good idea to consult a tax professional before making any expensive energy-reducing improvements to your home. You want to make sure you're eligible for credits, and if so, how much? Rebates are a different story. Uh, That part of the legislation will be handled by states, so the details on how to apply for them will vary. You should check your state's website for more information or contact your local electric utility. One last word about this legislation, regardless of how you might feel about it, reducing energy costs by making your home more fuel efficient is good stewardship, and even without the rebates and tax credits, most of these improvements will pay for themselves in lower utility bills over the long run. All right, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. Stay with us. We'll be right back. At MoneyWise, we are on a mission to educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from MoneyWise and believe in this mission, would you consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron? Check out all the benefits of a MoneyWise patron's membership at moneywise.org and click Give on the homepage. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I couldn't have had the procedure I needed without CHM's help sharing the bills. That letter from a member displays Christian Healthcare Ministries' purpose to glorify God and serve His people. CHM is the original non-insurance voluntary health cost-sharing ministry, enabling its members to share the cost of each other's medical bills. Call 800-791-6225 or visit chministries.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. Our team is ready to go. Amy Rios producing today, Dan Anderson Engineering, and Gabby T managing our phones today. We've got some lines open. Love to hear from you. 800-525-7000. You know, so often when we've made mistakes in the past or perhaps we've gone through a difficult time financially, we can automatically assume that there's some connection to our spiritual life. And we need to be careful there. What is our 
our identity in. You know, as believers, our true identity is in Christ, but we can get that mixed up sometimes, and oftentimes we can let money define us. Well, this is a trap. I'll talk about that a little later in the broadcast today, uh, but we want to get into that, hopefully dispel some of the faulty thinking that's led you down a path to believe that maybe it's your faith journey that has really caused you to be in a difficult financial spot. Let's go back to God's Word and explore that together. Hey, we've got some lines open today for your financial questions. Here's my hope that we can be an encouragement to you, give you some hopeful, encouraging advice rooted in Scripture and help you make confident financial decisions. The number to call is 800-525-7000. Let's begin in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Leonard, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Yes, I got in a kind of debit card problem here about two years ago, and I got into a national debt relief program. Everything was up to date. Everything was paid off, and I got letters from all of my credit cards companies stating everything was settled. But the trouble I'm having is getting a loan now. My credit score is a 744, but I can't get a loan because of them credit reports are still on my file on my credit report. How do I remove those? Yeah. Well, a couple of questions first, Leonard. You said a debit card issue. Did you mean credit card? Yeah, credit cards. Okay, yeah. So you had credit card balances. You were unable to pay them, and you went through, you called it debt relief. Essentially, was it a debt settlement program where they got into a situation uh, where they were in arrears, uh, either in collection or soon to be charged off, and somebody went in on your behalf to negotiate a reduced payoff? Is that what happened, or was it something else? Yeah, yeah, they reduced the payoff and all that stuff, and they took the money out every month on my account, you know, and everything's paid in full. I got letters and everything yeah. from all okay. the credit bureaus. Yes. Well, uh, typically what would happen there is you would have a notation uh, that what is that it was settled in full, which is different than paid in full. Uh, debt settlement is where they uh, agree to take a lower balance in exchange for you uh, paying it off uh, at that negotiated amount. Uh, that's generally reported to the bureaus, and that's generally listed uh, on the credit reports. Uh, and that is factored into your credit score uh, because you aren't paying your balance as agreed. Debt settlements impact your credit score negatively. Uh, your credit is based on several different factors, uh, so the exact impact is never known. But the bottom line is in the FICO scoring algorithm that will have a negative impact. Uh, the question is whether it's being reported correctly. Uh, the fact that it's being reported as settled in full, if that's the notation, that's accurate. So even if you dispute that, Leonard, that's not going to come off. What I hope, though, is that they've updated the balance to show that it is, in fact, zeroed out. Have you confirmed on your credit report that each of these are showing a zero balance? No. Okay. So I think that's the next step is to uh, pull a copy of each of the three credit bureaus uh, reports from Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Uh, You can do that at annualcreditreport.com. It will be free. Again, annualcreditreport.com. Get each of the three bureaus reports, and you're going to want to look for each of those accounts that was settled. You're probably going to see, hopefully, settled in full, but you'll also see a zero balance. If any of them were paid off and you've got documents 
documentation to show that it should be zeroed out based on a negotiated settlement that you paid in full, uh, then you'd want to dispute that negative information. They'll ask for proof of that. And then within uh, 60 days, they'll have to either verify that it's accurate or delete it or update it to the correct information. Now, beyond that, the fact that you have a 744 credit score still means that you have very good credit. And most lenders, even though you may see the notation settled in full, will rely more heavily on that credit score itself as opposed to uh, looking at you know the individual notations. What type of credit are you seeking right now that you're having trouble getting? I was just trying to get my sister everyone I was trying to get a five thousand dollar loan, had a unit replaced and they denied it. And one other time I uh put a new roof on, but I had to pay out my cash out of my pocket because they wouldn't uh, the bank wouldn't go for nine thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these are just uh, personal loans, and I, I think you know that may be what you're looking at. They may have been relying on income documentation. There may have been some other factor there that resulted in the denial. I think the key for you right now is, given your history, let's try to dial in your spending as much as you can, reduce costs, and save so you can get out of this cycle of having to use debt. But I think your next step, Leonard, specifically related uh, to what you're facing right now, even though that's still a very good credit score, it's, you know, um, among the highest. I mean, you can get above 800, but we really don't see that very much. So 740 should qualify you for the very best rates and terms. Uh, but given some of these other notations, that may be, uh, you know, what was the deciding factor. So I'd pull a copy of those credit reports. I'd make sure that everything is accurate. Anything that's not, I would dispute it. And uh, moving forward, let's try the best you can to move forward with building up an emergency fund first and then starting to save for some of these other things that you need to do so we can get out of this cycle of relying on debt. Uh, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for calling and checking with us today. 800-525-7000 to Highland, Indiana. James, you go right ahead. Yes. Hi, uh, Mr. West. Uh, enjoy your many fine comments on financial wisdom. Thank I have you. a quick question. The Title Lock product that's advertised widely on TV, yeah. um, how easy it is to, quote, steal one's title to your home. I've had like eight homes, and I know the process is amazing to go through and just get your mortgage, even with a good credit uh, rating. But yeah. I'm wondering about that product itself, the actual validity of it, and is it would it be even remotely necessary under normal standards? It's really not. Uh, you know, we don't recommend getting this so-called title lock insurance. Title insurance, of course, you've got to have uh, to get a mortgage, and that's not for you. That's for the mortgage company. But in this case, uh, title lock insurance is something entirely different. And the bottom line is nobody can actually lock your title. All they really do is monitor your title allegedly. Now, it's possible for somebody to file a false quit claim deed for your property, but many counties now have an alert system to even warn you if they tried that. And to add to that, if somebody fraudulently added their name to your legal title, they can't steal your property because fraud is fraud and it wouldn't stand up in court. Uh, if they take out loans based on bogus uh, ownership of the property, well, that's the lender's uh, problem and failure on their part uh, on the, of the underwriters. If they tried to foreclose on you, that wouldn't hold up. So, uh, you know, I don't think this is something that uh, you ought to do. It's just an 
an added cost. And frankly, if you're concerned about it, I would just uh, try to sign up for one of these monitoring services with your county directly if they have that. Uh, but we appreciate you asking the question. Because of those ads, James, a lot of folks think they need this. My opinion, they just simply don't. We appreciate you calling today. 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal. But you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org give. When it comes to investing guidance, you want advice grounded in God's Word. That's the approach offered by Sound Mind Investing. SMI has helped tens of thousands of Christians acquire investing wisdom and confidence. Regardless of your investing experience or how much you have to invest, you can learn to be a wise and faithful steward in the area of investing. A short video webinar on profit and peace of mind is available now at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions on anything financial. We'd love to hear from you today. 800-525-7000. Gabby T in our phone room today, taking your calls. We'll try to get you on the air quickly and look forward to hearing from you. Again, 800-525-7000. Let's head first to St. Charles, Illinois. Debbie, go right ahead. Hi. Hi. Listen to your show. It's really informative. Thank you. Um, I have a situation. I'm turning 72 at the end of the year, and I was told by uh, Wells Fargo advisors to start that I had to give my um, RMD by the time I turned 72 by the end of this year. So I've been doing it a little bit at a time, of course. But um, another friend, a past one of our pastors, just turned 72. And he hasn't started yet. And he said, no, he doesn't start until next year, I think, when he's 72. And I'm, you know, not 72 until the very end of the year. So what's yes. the answer? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, the answer is your first RMD must be taken by April 1st of the year after you turn 72. Uh, so previously, uh, for folks uh, born before June 30, 1949, it was age 70 and a half. And then for those folks born after June 30, 1949, it's now age 72. And it has to be taken uh, at the scheduled amount put out by the IRS that you'll find uh, on their website uh, by April 1st of the following year. So I didn't need to start it now. I don't need to have that completed, that amount that my brokers told me until next April, right? 
Right. That would be the, the last date by which you would have to take that withdrawal. A lot of folks will take it out sooner. Uh, but yeah, it would uh, be April 1st of the year following would be kind of the deadline, if you will, by which that des- that distribution would have had to have been taken. If you've taken it prior to that, yeah, you have taken it, I guess, quote unquote, early, but uh, not a bad idea to make sure it gets done and not wait till the last minute either. Yeah. And they just started issuing checks, which are okay. But some people say, oh, no, you can't use checks. But the check says, um, you know, custodian is um, Wells Fargo Advisors. And then I always put a note in it. Some some charities know all about it, you know, like um, Salvation Army and Samaritan's Purse. But others don't really know (laughs) that you can give a check. But it's okay if it's a check only from that and only used from that traditional IRA, right? Now, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. So are you trying to give this money away, the RMD money? Oh, yeah, making charitable contributions. Okay, and so you're doing that through a qualified charitable contribution? It's a traditional IRA that I will only use for charitable contributions. Have I done something wrong? And there are checks. They've made out checks that I can. Okay. Yeah. No, you haven't done anything wrong. So with an IRA, you can do what's called a QCD, which is a qualified charitable distribution. The benefit of that is it goes directly to the charity and it satisfies your required minimum distribution uh, for the year. As long as you do a QCD that's equal to or in excess of that uh, amount that you have to take out as your required minimum. Um, The benefit to you is you're not going to recognize that as additional income in your adjusted gross income. So everybody wins. As to how you go about that, typically what would happen is you would contact your custodian, whoever holds your IRA, let them know that you want to do a qualified charitable contribution specifically uh, for this purpose. And they would generally have paperwork that you would fill out either in paper, you know, on paper or uh, online to initiate that qualified charitable distribution because you don't want that money paid to you. You want it to go directly from the custodian that holds your IRA to the charity or ministry that's receiving it. Right. But they've given me checks to write just from that traditional IRA that I would never use for anything else. Okay. And Wells Fargo said, now you can, uh, I'd like to go and hand them the checks and take my check to work. Sure. And they said, yeah. that's fine. It's a new thing, but okay. um, I would never use that fund for anything else. I'm just using it for charities. Yeah, I think the key is, and I'm not saying anything's being done wrong here. I just want you to double check, and it sounds like this is clear, so that that should be fine, uh, that this is not going to be treated as a distribution to you, but it's going to be seen as a qualified charitable distribution going directly to the ministry. And given that you're writing a check against that IRA, uh, which is being deposited by the ministry, it it sounds like it should be fine, but uh, we just want to make sure that it is, in fact, being treated that way, so it both satisfies the required minimum and it's not seen by the IRS as a distribution to you, thereby not making it taxable. But as long as you've made it clear to your custodian, in this case, Wells Fargo, that your intent is to do a QCD uh, and they're telling you how to do it and that happens to involve check writing privileges, well, that's between you and them. They'll know far better than me exactly how to do that mechanically. 
okay. All right. right. Thank you so much. God bless. All right. Thank you, Debbie. We appreciate your call today. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Uh, Let me tackle an email that uh, came in uh, recently. This is a a great question that we have uh, come up from time to time. Uh, This is from Luke. He's an engineering student wanting to build a strong financial future. He says, I'm in school going for an uh, engineering degree. I'd like to build a financial plan while I'm still single. I know I'm supposed to tithe and give, but should I focus on paying off school loans, saving for a house or putting money into retirement. There are so many options. And I agree. Absolutely. I would say giving should be first, Luke. So let's uh, make sure that gets built in right up front. A lot of times we save that for the the back end, but let's put that in on the front end. I would say after that, let's uh, build up your emergency fund of at least one month's expenses as you're just getting started. Ultimately, I like that to be up at three uh, months worth of expenses. I think your next priority is if you have any matching with your retirement plan, that's free money. Let's take advantage of that. Uh, Beyond that, I think with the school loans, let's try to target a 10-year payback. Uh, If you can get it uh, organized around 10 years, that'll at least mean that you're making some progress. And then any additional surplus, let's put uh, toward that home down payment fund. I hope that helps. We appreciate your call. Thanks so much. Well, before we run today, I want to ask you about how you think about money. Do you control how you spend it, save it, and give it? Or does it seem to control you? Well, every day we talk about what the Bible has to say about money and how important it is to have a plan for how we manage it. If you haven't already done so, let me recommend that you check out the free MoneyWise app and let it help you get started on building a plan and working that plan so you control your money rather than it controlling you. You can find links to it on our website at moneywise.org. I'm Rob West. Many thanks to our amazing broadcast team and to you for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time right here on MoneyWise. MoneyWise is provided by MoneyWise Media and listeners like you.